Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Love somebody and have a seat. <clears throat> I'm going to try to get right into the message. Uh, I, um, I knew God was going to do something this morning. Thank you, beautiful wife of mine. I love you. I done destroyed my voice there in screaming in worship, and I'm glad about it. If I could be honest with you this morning, I am glad about it. <clears throat> love it. You know, <clears throat> hallelujah. You know, if, um, if the president of the United States walked in here, we should recognize him. You'd say, oh, it's a church, but you know, it's, it's the right thing to do, right? If the bishop came or uh, some dignitary of the Christian faith came, you know, so when, when the Holy Spirit shows up, we should actually, you know, if we're singing, come and have your way, we, we might want to let him have his way, right? Like it's possible, it's possible all these prayers about God taking over means that the, the, the things that I planned are possibly not his plans, do you, you, you understand that? It's possible that when we say, God, come, you have my life, do what you want to do, what we are confessing is that it's possible what I planned is not God's plan. Right? And that's difficult for us. It's difficult for us as, as, um, just as people in the, in the, in the Western world uh, to, to be that flexible with God because our lives are programmed to be pre-planned. Right? The moment you know, when we had our first child, had our lovely son, Isaac, whom we love very much. And the moment he was born, the next 15, 16, 17, 18 years of his life were already planned. And you might think that's kind of funny, but you knew at age four or five, he's going to be in kindergarten, right? That there's going to be 13 years of school at least. Like, like, like we're going to teach you how to walk. We're going to teach you how to talk. You're going to learn how to wipe your own butt because that's going to get old soon, right? Like, 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 you're, like we, we are trained from the moment we are born to live within the system we were born into. <clears throat> we are trained to live within the system we are born into. And God sometimes wants to come in and disrupt that system a little bit. Now, there's people who are invested in that system and make a profit off that system who don't want it changed at all. And they will tell you all the reasons it needs to stay the same, but God. Can you say amen? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, there's people born uh, into uh, a really bad circumstances throughout the planet. Would you agree with me? I, I, I was having a debate with somebody um, this week online, which is probably the dumbest sentence you can say, right? I was having a debate with someone online. Um, but, but there are actual places where you can have dialogue with people online. You have to find them, though, right? So I was having a debate with a pastor about um, the nature of um, a certain sin, and, uh, and, and he was uh, comparing um, a certain sin to a current equivalent of another sin. And I'll just, just for the sake of this discussion, I'll, I'll explain to you. Uh, he had put up a quote uh, that Jesus said, uh, the pimps and prostitutes are closer to God than you religious leaders. And I said, that, that, that preach is good, only the Bible doesn't say pimps and prostitutes. It says the publicans and, and the prostitutes. Uh, a pimp is very different than a tax collector. Now, let me, let me explain to you. A tax collector runs a system that exploits people financially for their own financial gain. 
right? Like where you should have paid the government $100, they make you pay $150 so they can also get wealthy. A pimp owns another human being. Violates their own personal sovereignty for their financial gain. Manipulates their insecurities. Manipulates their weaknesses. Promises them things that never actually will come to pass. Promise them a love they will never actually receive in return for the one person's gain. Very different sins. If you're born into a system of financial extortion, God wants to deliver you. Now, if you are born into a system of sexual um, abuse, God is going to come through with some justice. These things are not the same. Can you say amen? Amen. These things are not the same. And uh, God, um, God has a ranking of sin, and we don't want to believe that. We don't, we, you know, we, we, it's easy to say, well, all sins are the same, but the Bible teaches us very clearly that all sins are not the same. If you read the Old Covenant, one sin would require a dove, another would require a bull. A bull costs more than a dove. These are not the same. Amen. Uh, some of you probably drove here this morning and did not obey the speed limit. That, that, that is not the same as murdering your neighbor. Can we say amen? amen? Now, no one is more righteous than another person. We understand that in God's standing. We all need Jesus Christ and his sacrifice to cleanse us of our sins. But not everything is the same. And Jesus, as we read in the book of Luke, and I hope, I hope you're starting to see a pattern here. Jesus is really upset with, with government and religious systems that keep people down, that purposefully plan and have baked into the system oppression. He hates oppression in every single form. Can you say amen? Today I want to talk to you about destroying the yoke of oppression. I want to talk to you about destroying the yoke of oppression. The Lord is going to set some of you free today. And I'm here to tell you, the anointing is here for freedom. I'll say it again. The anointing is here for freedom. It is the anointing of God that is here for freedom. Some of us set more time reading leadership books and sales books and uh, financial planning books than we read the good book that has the actual answer to actual freedom. The Lord is here to put you into real freedom. All right, well. Duke's going to get some. He's getting it. I, I tell you, I tell you, Duke, there's people. And when they encounter the Spirit of God, they're going to see what real freedom is like. You say amen. There are people who are going to understand that it is the yoke. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. You think, like, let me just find an easier way to carry this yoke that this society has put on me. And Jesus is here to destroy the whole thing. He don't want your pimp to be a little nicer. Some of you are learning, reading books, studying and listening to podcasts and talking to your friends how to, how, to, how, to, how, to, how to deal with your pimp a little bit nicer. And that's not what Jesus came for. Okay, hallelujah. Let's, let's look. I'm, I'm, I'm going in today. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this. My wife said, listen, don't go in the pulpit angry. I said, all right. She said, because it comes through when you're angry and it's not good. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to be angry, but I hate the devil. I hate the devil and everything he does. 
I'm working on loving the people he uses, though. I'm working through that. Can I just be honest with you? I'm working through that. Okay. I'll get into the, we're going to get in the Word of God here, and hopefully you're going to get something out of this. I'm going to try to not go long, because the anointing of God came in worship. And I'm glad about it. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 8 if you, got, uh, a, if you don't have a Bible. We have them in the lobby. You can have a free one. Just go grab it. Um, I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Um, I mean, if you got one, you know, it's a good place to bring it. Um, uh, but I, I just find it easier to follow the story here. We're going to start in Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to read a lot of Bible, all right? I'm just going to tell the whole story. So Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasians, depending on how you pronounce that, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out into the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons, plural, and who had not put on any clothing for a long time and was not living in a house but in the tombs. Now, you remember, they put dead people in little caves. They called them the tombs. And he was living among the dead, right? Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They were imploring him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine, that's pigs, feeding there on the mountain. And the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine. And he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine. And the, land, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Verse 34. When the herdsmen saw what had happened... They ran away and reported it to the city and out in the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man with whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasians and the surrounding district asked him, leave them, for they were gripped with great fear. And he got into a boat and returned. But the man with whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away, saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Can you say amen to the reading of the word? Amen. I pray this happens today, Lord. Uh, hallelujah. Now, if, you, if you're in a spirit-filled church, if you're in a Pentecostal background, you have heard uh, this story preached many times. And I'm here to tell you with confidence, you most likely heard it wrong. There's a lot of ways that you could preach this story and not actually talk about what's going on. And without deconstructing all the false ways to preach this message, I'm just going to preach the truth and put the devil to shame. Can you say amen? amen? 
Now, as we look at Luke chapter 8, and remember, we got to read these stories in context. We got to read the Bible in context. We got to understand what Jesus is accomplishing, where he's going, who he's talking to, what just happened. There's a story that Luke is weaving together here with the brilliance of the Holy Spirit. And so Luke 8 starts with a woman, excuse me, with women ministering with him uh, and ministering to him, ministering alongside him and financing the ministry of Jesus, right? So we see Luke purposefully talks about the importance of women in the ministry of Jesus. Of course, he did that because the people he was writing to didn't believe that women could minister. And he is turning the systems of oppression for women on its head with how he's writing this book, all right? He's saying, if Jesus did this, uh, y'all man-made laws need to line up, right? So this is, this is Luke just subtly putting it in there. For us, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But back then, it's like, they did what? They said, they, they, wait, 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 who did what? Because even, even, even um, the wives of, 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 of the Roman leaders were supporting Jesus. Wait a minute, what? Right? So it threw them off a little bit. And it admits here some things that we talked about last week. Not all these people started out perfect. If, if you look here at the beginning of Luke chapter 8, it's, it says, uh, it tells how, um, it says in, in the story, he tells how many of them have been freed from demonic oppression and sickness. It even said Mary Magdalene got freed of seven demons. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I don't want people telling that about me, right? Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, come see the great super apostle, you know, Joe Jones, who got set free of seven demons, right? That, that is... That is not how we brag today. We don't brag about our freedom. We brag about how we never did need Jesus, right? This is what, we, this is what the, the church leaders brag about today, right? But here it was, they were, they were humble, understanding uh, that Jesus sets people in places, and these are people who recognize their own sinfulness in their nature, right? And, 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 and in this, you know, Jesus is, 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 is encouraging by, by Luke, the writer, He's like, okay, we want to be somebody in church. Follow me now. We want to be somebody in church, and you need to drop the non-COVID mask that you're wearing in church. Now, if you got any sense and you're in a crowded place, you'll wear a COVID mask. But if you got any real sense and you get to church, you'll drop the fake mask. You will drop the perfection mask. You will drop the mask that you got it all together, that you somehow graduated to not needing Jesus. You'll drop the mask and you'll get real with God. Amen. He said, here, here's some women, and here's Mary Magdalene who got free to seven demons. She dropped the mask. Now, she wasn't worried about nobody finding out about her past. You, you, you get nothing out of this message today. I want you to know, when you unmask the lies of the devil about you, you are going to walk in a freedom you've never known. Like, you got nothing, like, say what you want about me. I've already told everybody. So you are going to judge me on who I am right now or not. I don't want to go down that road. Hallelujah. So then he teaches about sowing and reaping. Oh, I don't have time for that, though. Uh, Then... He tells the famous story about Jesus walking on the water to rescue the disciples who were out on the sea, and he calmed the storm. Now, the storm, then, uh, there was a word that they used. Uh, It was a Greek word. It was called abyss. Abyss is when the, the stormy waters of the sea are so rough and so crazy that things disappear into them never to return. 
right? It's kind of like when I grew up, I don't know if you grew up in South Florida, there was a fear of two things when you were young. Number one was quicksand. I don't know why when we were young, we thought it was very important to figure out how to get out of quicksand. <laughs> if you're like me, like there was a day that you were just going to be walking along and then you're in quicksand and you better figure out how to get out of it. I've never seen quicksand in my entire life. The other thing in South Florida we talked a lot about was the Bermuda Triangle. And I remember when I was young watching shows on the Bermuda Triangle, and I remember thinking and worrying what I was going to do if I ever had to have a flight go through the Bermuda Triangle. Because things disappear in quicksand, and they disappear in the Bermuda Triangle just to never be found again, right? Like, was it just me? Or, you know, no, because things would fall into the abyss and disappear. Uh, And I don't have time to preach this either. But, you know, the fear of the abyss is the fear of insignificance. I'm going to disappear and everybody's going to go on without me. I don't have time to go into that today, but the Lord is speaking on that. Hallelujah. And so, so, so um, Jesus rescues these people out on the sea uh, and, 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 and he's trying to come against self-help religion. He's trying to come against uh, a religious system that says, God told me to go there. I can get there without him. I can do this in my own strength. I can do this my own way. I can make it into my calling on my own without other people and with God. You see, God, Jesus is not trying to get you to a place in life where you don't need him anymore. I need to hit this for a second. This isn't my main point, but this is, this is the point of pretty much this entire series. Jesus is not trying to get you so healthy, so wealthy, so happy that you don't need him. Jesus is looking for people to radically trust him. Radically trust him. Jesus is looking, put that slide up if you would. Jesus is looking for people to radically trust him. And you only radically trust Jesus when you're in a space that only Jesus can deliver you from. And I have a feeling, and I don't like this, but I have a feeling that many people in this room who are dealing with issues are in this place because Jesus wants to be your rescuer. Why would Jesus tell them to go out onto a sea that he knew was going to be a storm? Why would he send them there? Because he wanted to be their rescuer. He's trying to teach these future apostles. He's trying to teach these future church fathers that you are going to get into some things that only God can deliver you from. And when they saw Jesus on the water, they didn't talk to him right. You ever been in that place of prayer? You ain't talking to God right, but you're talking to the right God. Can you say amen? Like, you, you, like, you, like I know I shouldn't be speaking to you this, Jesus, this way, Jesus, but right now, this is the only way my heart can communicate. I'm hurt and offended, but at least I'm talking to the right God about my problems. Help me with my unbelief. Don't, don't be ashamed if you get all mad at Jesus. You're going to have to forgive. You're going to repent at some point. But in the midst of your heartache, don't worry about that. Just talk to Jesus. Okay, I'm, I, got, I got a lot in my heart. I got to come on. No, that's good. No, I got I to gotta, I gotta move on, though. Just, and so after, after this um, deliverance, at the end of the chapter, the chapter ends with three, three miracles in a row. Uh, he restored the demonized man. Um, who was living in the tombs. Uh, We read that story. Uh, He healed the woman suffering with bleeding. I personally believe she had fibroids. That that just makes sense 
right? So she had fibroids, and so she was constantly bleeding for years, uh, and, and, and Jesus healed her. And so I just say that if you have fibroids in here, the Lord heals in the name of Jesus. I've seen Jesus heal every kind of fertility issue short of not having a uterus, right? I, I haven't seen that yet, yet, yet. I've seen every other, I'm trying to think, I have seen I have seen infertile couples have babies. I have seen people with a genetic predisposition to not be able to carry children uh, have two children. Their names are Isaac and Anastasia. Like I have seen people, uh, I have seen women with um, fibroids, with tumors, with polyps, with all kind of just like be fruitful and multiply as the commands of the Lord. And so um, it still stands. So I've seen all that healed. So we just, I just say that if that's you, Believe God. I've also seen him heal through surgery, right? So don't be ashamed if that's what it takes. Do, just be healthy. All right, so he heals the woman with, um, with the issue of blood, and then he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And, and so <clears throat> these are the three. We're going to focus on the one of Jesus setting the demoniac free this morning. And as you read the Bible, it's easy to um, uh, read it, uh, since we read it on our Bible apps and we see the, you know, the verse of the day, uh, it's easy to look at the Bible in terms of verses uh, and not in terms of stories, not in terms of the grand narrative. Uh, all these stories are, are sub-points in a bigger narrative. And so when we take out one verse, it may not even have to do with the, the story, let alone the grand narrative it's playing into. And so it's easy when we only read the Bible digitally to remove the big story from what God is doing in your life. It's kind of like when your parents uh, show you pictures of when you're nine. And you, and you know the funny ages when like your body proportions aren't right and your nose is too big and you're a little chubby and you're like, mom, that's not who I am anymore. But mom is like, but that's part of the story. Like, I know you don't want to believe that you looked like this ever. You know, you had that hair and you dressed with that jacket. But this is part of the story, right? It's part of the story of who we are. We, we, we got we to get the whole story here. So we got to ask ourselves, as you read the Bible, we got to ask ourselves, why did Luke include this story at this length in the Bible? This is a very long story. Why did he take up this much real estate for this story in the Bible, and we have to ask ourselves, what are we supposed to learn from this story? What, what, what is the point of it? And there's, there's two things I want you to get out of this, and then we're just going to kind of uh, unpack it all together. Together, these three stories that we read, they, they tell of a Jesus who will soon find himself in Jerusalem, accused, mocked, and crucified, um, just uh, put on trial. Um, and and this, this man that they're bringing this accusation against, even though everybody's in agreement, this man is Lord over all the powers of evil, including disease and death, yet is still loving and compassionate. There, there, there's a story that they're trying to show that this is God in the flesh who works the miraculous and the accusations of people, no matter how many agree with one another, are lies, right? So that's the first thing he's shown here. And the second thing he's shown through these stories is what I really want to focus on this morning. And I'm a, if, you're, if, you, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down and use this as a confession this week. Go ahead, put it up. Not all your problems are your fault, 
And Jesus wants you to trust him to set you free from your oppression and bondage. You might want to confess that over yourself this week. Not all your problems are your fault. And Jesus wants, to set, wants you to trust him to set you free from the oppression and bondage. And I'm going to speak this over you one more time because I want to get it in your spirit. Not all your problems are your fault. And Jesus wants, to set, wants you to trust him to set you free from your oppression and bondage. Can you say amen? amen? So we find Jesus. He's along the Sea of Galilee. I've been to where this, this took place. And there's a, right next to the Sea of Galilee, I believe it's on the southern side, but it could be the northern side because I was in another country. I don't know. You know, Florida, there's the beach. You know, it's east, right? I was in another country. But at one end of the Sea of Galilee, there's um, a, a little bit of a, a, a beachy area. Then there's a road. Then immediately there's cliffs. And in this cliffs are caves. And those were the tombs where this man was living. And uh, we look here um, um, and Jesus, let's look, look at uh, Luke 8, 28. The man sees Jesus. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, what business do we, this is what the man said, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you, do not, say it out loud, torment me. Do not torment me. Me, Leave it up if you would. I want you to recognize uh, there's, a, there's a term that we use a lot today. A lot of people use it incorrectly, but it's a real thing. It's called gaslighting. And gaslighting is when you blame, when people blame you for the very thing that's in their heart. When they blame you of the thing that is in their heart. Jesus talked about it earlier with the, with the, with the log in your eye and the, and the splinter in the other person's eye. Of course you see a log, because that's what's in your eye. Now, the devil here in this man is accusing Jesus Christ of being the tormentor. How have you come to torment me? Jesus Christ is not the tormentor. Jesus is the one who sets you free. And many times when you come, when, when, when that force of God comes, when the deliverer comes, when the deliverance comes, when the door opens to get you out of your bondage, it causes more fear than the bondage you're living in. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you got to make a step of boldness into that freedom. You got to make a life change. You have to put some people out of your life and open your heart to some people in your life. And that feels more scary than the bondage you're living in. And the devil wants to tell you that the person trying to set you free is the one who's tormenting you. This is how the devil works. The devil don't want you around freedom. He don't want you around the gospel. He don't want you to learn the truths of the Bible. He wants you to learn that the Bible is a little bit flawed here. And a little bit, oh, but if you look at the Hebrew that was written down as if they're a Hebrew scholar. If you look at the Hebrew, it really means as if I'm like, bro, you, you got a GED. You won't teach me Greek. Really? Come on. Come on. No, no, no. What happens is the same thing that is tormenting me is in you and don't want me to get free. You want some company in your torment. And I, 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 God has not sent me to accompany the tormented. He's sent me to set them free. And so Jesus comes with some truth, and the lie hates the truth. There is no marriage of light and darkness. And it's, it's, it's the light that comes and dispels the darkness, and the darkness is trying to keep things dark in your life. 
That's why I want you to cut off relationships. I want you to get, that's, that, that's what offense is all about. Offense is turning off the light of love in your life. And they're saying, ah, I'm offended. You should be offended. Don't talk. Don't join. Don't fellowship. Come in my darkness with me. Like, no, 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 no. Red flags going off in my head. Warning sirens. No. What, 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 what do you have to do with me? Listen, he even says it right here. He says, he says, Jesus, what business do we have with each other? Mm, what business do we have? Oh, we have a business. It's called me casting you out of this man. That's what this is about right here. These are the spirit. So the accusation is normally, like, you ever been in a system where people are just talking bad about you? Have you been there? You ever been where you heard there's rumors and gossip going on about you and people are believing it, but it's the person, that, that, that's the heart of the person talking about you. Have you ever lived there? And you're like, I don't understand. Jesus gets this. I want to let you know when you are in that season, you have a friend in Jesus. There is a God in heaven who knows what it is like to be falsely accused by the powers of darkness. You are not alone. Our God has, has, has experienced everything that you and I have experienced. He's not Buddha. He's not some, just a prophet. He is a God, but he is a God-man who has experienced everything you are going through. And he is an ever-present help in time of need. Can you say amen? amen? I want you to be connected to Jesus and the freedom that you experience in knowing him. Amen. You remember in Luke chapter 4, there was a demon in the synagogue? Luke chapter 4, verse 33, it says, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Let us alone. Sounds the same, right? Let us alone. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? You, have you come to destroy us? You are the Holy One of God. See, you've you got to recognize the, the religious spirits are coming to destroy the anointing in your life. Religious demons, self-righteous demons want to separate you from the anointing of God. Like, if you are going to move into spirit-filled Christianity, if, I mean, if you're going to go beyond just, you know, having, having a cute Instagram post with a Bible verse that you may or may not have read, like, if you want to move beyond that into... I know my creator. I know my purpose. I know my calling. It's going to take the Holy Ghost of God to lead you into that. And one of the terms for the, 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 the evil one uh, translates to serpent. And this serpent is like a python. And he comes in looking kind of like a friend, like family like someone you want to cuddle up to, and then it wraps itself around you. And the way the python kills is it slowly, slowly, slowly squeezes the air out of you. It slowly wraps itself around your chest until you just like, whoa, I can't, can't get breath anymore. I just feel heavy. I feel, I feel, I feel like I can't get a full lung of air. Like God used to be close, but he's not close any more. I am actually getting a little scared now. I feel confused because I thought you were a friend, but now I'm just feeling confusion. And it's the devil that's trying to squeeze the anointing out of your life. It's the it's devil trying to choke the breath of God out of 
you. And the Lord is warning us saying, listen, don't get close to the serpent. The serpent will wrap around you and choke the breath out of you, the, the, the pneuma, the spirit out of you and give you uh, what it has for you, which is death and destruction instead of the ability to breathe freely the breath of God and exhale the breath of God and encourage other people. Instead, it will have you fighting for your life. God doesn't mind, excuse me, the devil doesn't mind if you just go to church. He don't mind if you just call yourself a Christian, but start believing what the word of God says and watch what happens. Then you'll start seeing the devils manifest in your life. Then you'll start seeing the temptations looking a little more tempting in your life. Remember when you first got on fire for Jesus and you like radically cut everything out of your life? Man, when I got saved, I went from point A to point Z overnight. I got radically, I didn't know Jesus. I thought I knew him. I knew about him. I thought I knew him. And then Jesus touched my life and I like threw away all my, like everything that didn't glorify God. I, I threw away tons of music. I threw away tons of stuff. I changed friend groups. I, I, like, I like radically shifted overnight because I finally found the light. And I didn't want nothing in my life that looked like darkness. And I had myself a nice little group of friends. And we had this thing that we would do. And uh, I would encourage if you got one or two friends, a friend group, whatever, here, here's what I recommend you do. And, and uh, a couple things. Number one, hold each other accountable to read the Bible every day. Just ask each other, have you read? The, what are you reading in the Bible? Just ask them, what are you reading in the Bible these days? Get, get in the Word of God. And number two, we call each other sin out. It was part of our friendship because we cared about each other enough to not want to see that snake snuff the life out of one another. Now, many of these men are in ministry today. Some of them thought that other people were mean because they point their sin out. And they're not serving God anymore. Instead, they're of a whole different system than what Jesus has. You've got you to make sure you're surrounded with some people who love truth. Otherwise, when they glorify the lie because it makes them feel better, they're going to drag you into the lie. That's not even my message. I got I to I move along here. Hold on a second. So these religious demons came to destroy the anointing way back in the beginning. You notice that these were men in the synagogue. Men in the synagogue oppressed by the devil, trying to rebuke the Son of God. There's some, nothing harder to cast out than a religious demon. I'll tell you that much. Amen. You don't have to amen me. That's fine. Look, the anointing has come to set you free, but we have to trust Jesus enough to drop our non-COVID mask and get healed. But there's some things in this story of this demoniac getting set free that don't really make any sense at all. And we're going to try to make sense of them today. The first thing that doesn't make sense is these guys were there tending the pigs. And of course, Jews don't eat pigs. Jews can't be around pigs. They can't handle pigs. They... they it's unclean. It's, that's, an, that's an easy one, right? Like there's some, some interpretations of the Jewish law that don't make a lot of sense. They're kind of hard to keep. Like, uh, like you know, don't, 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 don't cook a baby goat in its mother's milk is one interpretation of a scripture. I, I, I'm pretty sure I can keep that one, right? Like that's a law I could keep, right? Other laws about fabrics and intermingling fabrics, I don't want to know what my coat is made out of. I just want to put it on, right? Now, you can't be around pig. That's an easy one. That's an easy one. But these men are tending pigs. So there's something that we got to figure out. Why, why, why do they have pigs, right? And what do the pigs say? 
don't send us into the, excuse me, the demon said, don't send us into the abyss, send us into the pigs. All right, we got some clues happening here. Stick, with, stick around, stick around. The second thing uh, that doesn't make any sense that we got we to gotta figure out, um, the second thing that doesn't make any sense is, is, is when Jesus sent them out, he sent them into the pigs, and the pigs sent them into the abyss. The very thing that the demons asked Jesus not to do, right? The demons said, hey, don't mess with us. You know, like, uh, like don't send us into the abyss. Send us into the pigs. And Jesus was like, okay, I'll send you into the pigs because you don't want to go in the abyss. And then the pigs sent them into the abyss. You're like, wait a minute. How, 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 do, how, do, I, how do I make sense of this, right? The third thing that doesn't make any sense is that after the man got freed, the Bible says that all the people in the surrounding area said that they were terrified. Wait a minute. There was a, a man who was free. Why, why are they terrified? That this, this actually starts to to answer the question for us. And if you stick with me for like another five, ten minutes, it's all going to come together real good and we're going to get free. Are you ready? All right. Let's look at verse 30. Jesus asked him, asked the man, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. Now, how many of you know his name was not Legion? Right? Are you with me? Come on, we're Pentecostal. I need a little call and response here. You know his name is not Legion. Amen. Okay, what is legion? Legion is a Roman word. Legion is a Roman word. It talks about, uh, you know, it's a military term, a, a, whole bunch of sur- a whole bunch of soldiers. We talked about the last week about the centurion, supposed to be over 100, right? So this legion is a military term for so many soldiers that are together. Now, if you remember when Jesus showed up on the scene, the Jews were looking for freedom from the Romans, Right? They weren't just saying, we want our own homeland. We're saying, we want our own economy. We want, we want to rule, rule ourselves. We want to stop being abused by the Romans. We want to stop being oppressed by the Romans. We're not being treated right by them. We're treated like slaves at times. Israel was given a certain level of autonomy, but not full freedom. That's like your friend who's in a bad relationship. You know someone is in an unhealthy, romantic relationship, and they're happy because they have someone, but you watch them get treated wrong every week, and you're like, ah, you have a, a measure of autonomy, but this is not God's best. Are you with me? That was Israel here. They had a measure of autonomy, but they did not have God's best, and the Jews were looking for freedom. Now, I want to remind you of something we taught earlier. Your soul continues to carry the trauma that you experience. Many of us went through trauma from the coronavirus shutdown. Many of you had to go through an economic time of struggle. Many others of us lost family members. And when I say lost, people died that we love to coronavirus. There was this racial trauma that happened to many of us. That's trauma. And if you don't deal with it, your soul is still carrying it. In the midst of all that chaos, the devil stirred up all kind of craziness. And he stirred up stuff in people's marriages. And he's coming and got an attack against the church at large, coming against the government. There's all kind of craziness happening out there. And you had some really stupid people saying stupid things on social media, and it caused you 
you trauma because you didn't know what to do with it. And for many of us, that trauma is still alive in your soul. Now, you don't know how to deal with it. You may not have words for it. And you may think, I just need to move on. I just need to act like it didn't happen. But burying your trauma in the lie of I've moved past that doesn't heal anything. Can you say amen? You got to get trauma ministered to. There needs to be a time of grieving that you have been violated. If your marriage went through strife, there has to be a time of reconciliation. You can't just go through trauma and say, oh, my bad, and then act like you went back to where you were at the beginning. I can preach that because I have lived that. My wife and I went through years of marital trauma, and then we went through years of marital repair as the Holy Ghost has empowered us to be loving partners to one another. I went through years of trauma as a very poor, very crazy child, and I am still talking to people about what my soul experienced even then. I'm 50 years old, still talking to people about stuff that happened to me at 12, 13, 14. It feels crazy. I know Jesus can come and heal it in an instant, but I also know that the Lord uses wise counsel to heal our soul. Can you say amen? And, and, you, and, you, and you better just get it in your heart. You better just recognize that you are living out the trauma in your life if you've not gotten it ministered to. You see, this was an oppressive system that they lived in. The Romans had conquered the Jews. The, this whole area was being tormented by Roman occupation. There was a legion of Roman soldiers that... that, that that occupied and enslaved these people to do what violated their own religion. They had Jews tending pigs. Now, we know that, that swine was a common dietary part of the upper echelon of the Roman soldier's diet. So we got Roman leaders causing Jews to do that which violates their own religion and taking care of pigs, breaking their relationship with their God. You think that causes trauma? I think that will cause trauma. We get upset because, uh, I'm not going to say that. But, hallelujah. But there are people in the Middle East right now who are being beheaded for confessing Christ. Roland Baker just talked about in Mozambique, they're having such uh, term, religious turmoil that for many people in this day and age, if you receive Christ, there is a good chance you will lose your head. This is trauma. This is tr religious trauma. And these people were under religious trauma. And so these Roman soldiers, their oppression took a toll on the soul of the Jews who were there. Do you, do you see where I'm going with this? So what do you do with this trauma? Some people go crazy. Some people go crazy because they don't know how to process the trauma of the abusive system that they're living in. See, but the devil is stupid. The devil is stupid in that he thinks he can get God to do anything. Right? So, 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 so the, 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 the devil said, hey, um, we'll come out of this man if you send us to the pigs. And Jesus is like, all right. Because number one, I don't like this man having demons. And number two, I don't like the pigs. I, two for one right here. Watch this. And so he gets the demons, sends them into the pigs, knowing the pigs are going to be destroyed anyways. But wait a minute, what, what did Jesus have against the pigs? Was it just that he wanted to keep the Jewish law? I don't believe that's what was happening here. Watch this. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 36. 
Those who had seen it, seen that the man got free and the pigs were destroyed, right? Reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to leave them. They wanted Jesus to leave. Like the man that they knew was crazy, who had, they had to chain him and lived in the tombs, was now a normal person, and they wanted Jesus to leave. Why? For they were gripped with great fear. Why were they gripped with fear? Why? Because they were enslaved to the Romans, and Jesus just destroyed their pig farm. Jesus destroyed the economic oppression of the Romans. Okay, this is going to get better. I know this may not sound like a lot, but this is a big deal right here. This is why the people were terrified. The Romans now were not going to be happy about this. They were not going to be happy about this. Here's this man, Jesus, with one word, set a demoniac free, destroyed an oppressive system, and showed that they are not the most powerful thing that's happening in Israel. They didn't like that. They didn't like that. But in verse 35, it says, The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the, whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they became frightened. I want to tell you this right now. You're going to get free of stuff. Jesus is going to set you free in life. God is a good God, and this church was built. It was founded upon People encountering the living God and getting set free in a divine moment. Many people get an encounter, a prophetic encounter with the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And they find out that the oppression they were living in is not God's best for their life. They find out that there's this prophetic stripping away of the lie and they see God clearly. Then all of a sudden the world starts to make sense because they see the lies behind certain things that had been driving them. And then their family and their friends say, hey, don't get too radical about this Jesus. But how can you not get radical about this Jesus who sets you free? And they get so excited and they get so free and they get so happy, yet they forget this next step that we see the man did and that's sitting at the feet of Jesus. We forget to sit at the feet of Jesus and continue to learn of him. You see, we spent all these years of our lives learning the world system. We got to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn the kingdom system. We learn the kingdom system by reading our Bible regularly. We learn this kingdom system by coming to church, getting in the anointing, worshiping God. We learn this kingdom system by serving our local body. We learn this kingdom system by serving the body financially. We learn this kingdom system by friends who we trust looking to us and saying, brother, I love you, but um, you sound a little more angry than you ought to be about this. I'm afraid that you have gone from righteous indignation to ungodly offense and get your heart right, right? Like there are systems that we need to learn. And part of these systems is that we structure our lives around learning of Jesus. We learn him every season of our life. It's something new. It's something different. We never graduate to the place of not needing Jesus. 
We never graduate to the place of not needing Jesus. As a matter of fact, as we sit at his feet, as we learn of the apostles, as we read in the scriptures, the longer we walk with him, the more we recognize we need his grace in our life. We need his forgiveness in our life. We need his empowerment in our life. We need his wisdom in our life. We need the spirit of God in our life. We need the answers that only Jesus carries in our life. That's how you know someone is a mature Christian. They lean on Jesus more now than they did on their day of deliverance. They bring up Jesus more now than they did in the beginning. They tell people, you need Jesus more now than they did way at the beginning. Their faith and their hope and their trust rests on Jesus Christ and his righteousness, not their own ability to figure things out. Can you say amen? And so the man is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And this dude's ready to leave town as well. He wants to follow, he wants to follow Jesus, wants to learn of him. And he also probably isn't that excited about the people who want to drive out the man who delivered him. And so you could, you could, you could, you could view this story wrongly and say, well, wow, that was so mean of Jesus to destroy this economic system and cause problems for the Jews. Like, you could, you could use some sort of humanist what you view as humanist compassion. Well, if God was loving, then he would have accepted the Romans in their oppression. Or if God was really compassionate, he wouldn't have made um, them stop eating pork. Or um, if God was really loving, he wouldn't have caused problems for these other people. That was really kind of culturalist of him to impose his religious laws on these people. Only thing we forget is that Jesus is God. And God is the one who sets things right. It's not us who tell God what is right. He tells us what is right. And we get it internalized so we can function according to his system. Can you say amen? In this day and age, as, 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 as there is a plot of the devil against the church and to undermine the truths of the gospel, there is this weird kind of amalgamation of social justice and righteousness. Hear me. I want you to hear me very, very, very clearly what I'm saying right now. I absolutely believe that sin is sin. I also believe that Jesus Christ liberates people from oppression and is into social justice. I absolutely believe. I also believe that we better get the definition of those words from God, not what American media tells us those words mean. Thank you. Say amen. You study cults long enough, you'll find out they use the same words we do, but they mean something very different. And it's not by accident. And so we see people on the left and on the right using the same words that we use, but they definitely do not mean the same thing. So Jesus comes in to our lives where we got some brokenness, we got some issues, we got oppression. He's very upset about you being exploited. He's very upset that you're not being treated righteously. He's very upset that sin has dominion in your life. I want you to know that. If you're battling with sin today, if you're, if you're stuck in a struggle with sin, I want to let you know Jesus is very upset with the devil that has you oppressed. He wants us to be righteous, right? Can we, can we agree? Amen? He wants us to say no to sin. Amen? But he hates the devil that is tempting you. And he wants to deliver you from that. But so we, we, we know like, okay, things are not going all that well. And I want Jesus to come in and help me 
in this situation. I want Jesus to come in and help me in this relationship. I want Jesus to come in and help me in this career. You know, it's the hardest thing, like when you find someone in an abusive relationship and they kind of want to constantly talk to you about how to make things better. And you're like, the only way this thing's going to get better is when you're smart enough to leave. The only way this thing's going to get better is when you get wise enough to just pack up your stuff and get out. Like, that's, that's the only thing that's going to fix this situation right here is you separate yourself from that person who's being controlled by the devil, right? Like, that's, that's sometimes, anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you just got to leave. And so it's hard talking to people who want to fine-tune something that Jesus wants to destroy. Put up my next slide. Sometimes the only way for Jesus to get you free is to destroy the whole system you're caught up in. Sometimes the only way he'll get you free, he'll come in and it's like, he's like, I don't want to tune this thing up. I want to destroy the whole thing. They thought the Messiah was going to come in and set things right in the temple and sit on a throne and rule from, from, the, from, from the palace. And he's like, oh, no, actually, I've come to destroy the temple. I've come to tear down this entire system you built. Matter of fact, in a little bit of time, y'all ain't even going to live here. Y'all going to be spread out everywhere. Like, that's the only way I can fix what's going on here right now. Y'all have so made a mess of this thing. I can't come in and just give you some new laws. I can't come in and just give you some new decrees. I've come to just level the entire thing. I'm going to destroy it, and I'm going to move the majority of y'all to Antioch, and I'm starting all over again. But this time, y'all going to build it on my truth and my spirit. And it's going to be a little rough season in the transition, but in the end, my name is going to be glorified. You're going to come into the call of God. You're going to come into freedom, and the plans of Jesus Christ is going to happen in your life. Can you say amen? See, but we keep holding on to broken systems that Jesus is trying to destroy. He's trying to destroy it. Can you say amen? Mm, mm, mm. Mm. In Acts 16, 26, it says, and suddenly, you remember this? They remember they were in the prison and they were singing praises to God. The Bible says, and suddenly... There came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately the doors were open and everybody's chains were... What does that mean? That, 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 that means like, like the foundation of the prison, such an earthquake, it broke and, and, and things shifted underneath, right? The underlying thing, it wasn't the, the prison wasn't the problem. The problem was the foundation the prison was built upon, the oppressive system that the prison was built upon, and the anointing of God came in and shook the ground where the very foundation was, so much so that the building got lopsided and the doors couldn't stay closed anymore. They just kind of swung open. It wasn't that Jesus, by the Holy Ghost, went there and picked the locks. That is not what happened. He done broke the prison so that the walls of oppression could not hold the believer any longer. Jesus is not just trying to fix your little thing. He's trying to break the foundation that your oppression was built upon. He's trying to come in and do, give you a new system to live by. See, Holy Ghost is moving in this day and age, whether you like it or not. There are so many lies being told today because the devil is working overtime to come against what God is doing with justice and righteousness. He is breaking the foundation of oppressive systems in your life, 
in our country and on the earth. And I'm here to let you know, if a group of believers won't line up with Jesus, he'll wipe the whole thing out and start over again. That's what we see. He's like, oh, you want to hold this thing above me? I hope you like the memories of it because it's about to go bye-bye. Can you say amen? Let me get the worship team up here. Come on. Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was a prophetic witness of what Jesus is trying to do right now. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. So the man got set free. The people were terrified. But the dude who got free, he was chilling. He was just chilling with Jesus. He was just at peace with Jesus. Isn't that where you want to be? Set free of demons and just chilling with Jesus. Y'all have all your, go your gossip. Y'all have all your drama. Y'all want to live there? I, I, you know, I, 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 go. Be, 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 be in that. Be in that oppressive. If that's what you want, go do it. Don't, don't take me with you because I'm chilling with Jesus. I'm chilling with Jesus Christ. I like, I like, I like, I like you know, I was talking to, I think it was Chris Rothschild. Yeah, it might have been, been Duke. Talking to someone. Telling us all this craziness. We're like, yeah, hey, um, <clears throat> what God say? What's the last thing you heard God say? Because that's what truth is built upon, the word of God, not the word of your feelings, not what you think God should be doing, not, 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 not what's going to make you comfortable, right? And what you're going to find out is God's plan all along was to break the oppressive system that you're caught up in. We're trying to keep things together. We're trying to hold it together. We don't want to make a mess. Not knowing the mess is the oppressive system that you're caught up in right now. Play me a little bit right here. See, this is what freedom looks like. Verse 38. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Can't run away can't run away from what, uh, what is ultimately ailing you, and that is the plans of the devil. Can't run away. You got to get whole. You have to get whole. You don't need to just get past it. You have to get whole. Stand with me if you would. I believe the Holy Spirit's going to do something real quick. <clears throat> So when they do, uh, when you get some sort of surgery on you, they remove some skin for something. They tell you you need to put some, put some, put some oil on it, put some, some, some lotion to keep it moist. Because if you don't keep it moist, scab is going to cover it, and stuff can build up behind the scab. And you know sometimes when you rip off the scab, all the pus comes out and the infection and all that. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's nasty, right? Are you with me? Yeah, all this, all this, all this. That's, 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 that's what Christianity teaches people. Don't, don't put some ointment on it because then people will see your issues. Let it scab over. Let it get hard and bury the hurt, bury the pain, bury the offense, bury the trauma. Jesus like, no, no, no. Put that oil of anointing upon it. Let it be exposed. Let, it be, let them see what you're going through so they can help. Let them tell you, hey, man, that thing's not looking so good right now. You need to make sure you take care of that thing. Yeah, 
and you not get offended because somebody saw something in you that you may not have noticed. We need to let these things heal. And you'll know. Hmm. When you recognize what God has done in your life, you're going to help people come into the same thing. The religious system that wants you to feel like a victim forever wants you to run and take care of yourself. But the anointing of God is here right now to set you free so you can help others get set free. Now, I am not going to lie. For some of you, that means Jesus is going to dismantle the system that has you oppressed. Sometimes that is scary and painful and ugly. I I was praying uh, ahead of this service and I just, I felt so strongly that there's going to be someone, I'm either online or here in person, that you are suffering greatly from the manipulation of someone else. And I believe it's an emotional manipulation. They want you to feel sorry for them, so you're bound to their manipulation. But they're using you. And that's why this guilt is constantly at play in your heart. You're feeling divided allegiances. Because they're manipulating you. It's not in the light. It's in darkness. And I believe the Lord wants to set you free. Wants to set you free today so that you could see clearly. And you can lovingly let that person know, I love you, but I want you to get healthy. And part of that means I can't be the person you manipulate because that empowers you to be a manipulator. But you're going to have to be brave. And God's going to tear down that system. is, Is anybody tracking with me in here? Anybody, anybody, anybody with me in here? I feel like the Lord wants to set some people free. Come on a little bit here. I believe the Lord wants to set some people free from oppression today. And he also wants to inspire some people in here that maybe you've been quiet about some sin that the Lord has called you to help people out of. Like I had that conversation with that pastor. No, a tax collector is not the same thing as a pimp. A pimp is disgusting. It is it is. It is disgusting, utterly defiling, completely anti-Christ, violates the sovereignty of another human being. Don't, don't lower that sin to tax collector. No, 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 no. That sin is terrible, and it needs to be destroyed, and it needs to stop being glorified in music. It needs to stop being glorified in public uh, uh, discourse. Oh, I'm just pimping, dog. No, no, you ain't pimping. No, you ain't. Uh, it's disgusting. If you understood that, you wouldn't say it. I'm big pimping. No, 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 no. Get the word out your mouth. No, you're not. Don't confess that over yourself. It's disgusting. It's demeaning. It's abusive. It's illegal. Stop saying it over yourself. Ain't nothing cute about it. We need a reform in how we talk. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We need a reformation of what we declare over ourselves. No, you ain't pimping. If you were pimping, we wouldn't be friends. Good God, what time is it? Oh boy, have I gone long. You gotta love me for to be here this long. You gotta love the truth. And maybe you're gonna get free. I'm gonna tell you a story I wouldn't plan on telling you. I haven't told the story in a while. I had a friend. His name was Aziz, I believe. He was half Egyptian, half 
I think Puerto Rican. I worked with him, and uh, he and a friend ran um, a prostitution ring. And uh, he worked at the place with me just so he had, you know, was able to have some accountability for his money, so he could, you know, for taxes, whatever, you know. But he was a pimp, and I was, it was disgusting. And I did everything I could to befriend this man. And uh, he offered me a job to be a driver for his ladies. I was like, oh, I'll take that job tomorrow. I'll start tonight. And he's like, you would? I was like, oh, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm setting some ladies free. I'm, I'm, I get you in my car. You're going to be free. Like, this is, I'm like, yeah, deliver me to the prostitutes. I Pay me to do that? Yes, I want to be in ministry anyways. Hallelujah. I will start my ministry right there. I was like, yeah, I'm interested. How, how much that pay? He said, he said, nah, you, you, you'd witness to them, wouldn't you? I said, you know I would. Absolutely I would. I said, just like I'm witnessing you in one day, you're going to be free from this. I'm like, you're going to see that Jesus Christ loves these women, loves you. He loves these people. You're going you're gonna to see one day that like the God of heaven and earth cares about these ladies. That was, I, was in the, I was in the mortgage business then, and you know what happened to the housing market. I hit a super, super low point after that. that was, that's when I lost my mind. Uh, and uh, I was in a super bad place uh, mentally. And uh, I was at a gas station one day, uh, pumping gas. Like, you ever been like low, like low, low, and you're putting gas in your car? You ever have a car that like you don't want to fill the tank with gas because you don't think the car is worth that much? You're like, it may not last the full tank, and I don't want to lose half a tank on this car. I, that, that's how broke I've been. I don't know where you've been. I'm just saying I have calculated how much gas I put in a car. Like, I'm not ready to invest that much in this car, Right? And so I'm, 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 I'm pumping gas. I'm not having a good day. It's hot as sin outside. And I'm, I'm like, just not, not, I'm not happy with God. I'm not happy with life. I'm not happy with me. And this dude starts coming running up to me. It's this dude, Aziz, or whatever his name was. And he's got on this big gold chain. And he would wear gold because he was pimp. But on, the, on this chain, there was this big cross. And uh, one day he had told me that his grandfather was sick. And I prayed, like I prayed, like I prayed prayed for his grandfather. I believe he had a heart condition, had a tumor. He had a tumor and uh, he was on the, on death's door. And I prayed, I let him know, man, I am praying for your grandfather. Maybe it was dad. I don't remember, but I was praying. And he said, uh, they went like, you know, I stopped working there. And the next time they took dad to the hospital, the doctor could not understand because this orange sized tumor was now the size of a pea. Like it was almost completely gone. And he said, the moment they said that this thing is the size of a pea, it's like, I just saw your face and I heard your voice tell me that Jesus Christ wants to set people free. And he said, in that moment, I gave my life to Jesus. And he said, he said, he said, he said, I don't know what to say. I love God. I don't know what to say. I love God. He just kept saying that over and over again. I love God. He's married now, has kids, got out of the business. I was like, God wants to destroy the whole system. He wanted to tear the whole system down for his glory. Now, I don't know, I don't know who in this room, I don't know what, what Aziz in your life is going to get set free by your testimony. Come on, play a little bit for me here. I don't know who he wants to set free with your testimony. I don't know what system he wants to destroy with your voice. I don't know what series of righteous steps he's going to lead you into that says, I will no longer allow the exploitation of these people. But I'm telling you, God is going to do it in your life. 
I see it in my family right now. I don't want to brag on my kids a little bit because it's none of my business. But my son, watch this, watch this. I'm, I'm going too long anyways. I'm going to do it anyways. My son is mixed, right? My family is mixed. If you don't, you know, I, I'm into Black Lives Matter because that's my family. You know, I don't, I don't know what people are expecting of me, right? So my son looks like many of these young men who got shot in the back, right? So what does my son do? He don't fight for himself. He has decided on the, on the campus of Florida Atlantic University, he is fighting against Asian hate. He joined the Asian Student Union. He's coming against Asian hate. He's paying it forward. He's trying to help some people. Come on, somebody who may not have representation. This is what God wants to do in your life right here. Now, I'm not saying he's perfect because I'm not perfect. I'm, you know, none of us are perfect. But God wants to use you to set someone free outside of your zone. I never would be a pimp, but I set one free. Glory to Jesus. I don't know how many people got free because of that. And God wants to do it in your life right now. But something's going to break in your life. Come on, Hannah, jump in. Something's going to break in your life today. I feel the anointing of God. We don't have the longest church service we had in, I don't know, two years. Because the Holy Ghost wants to do something right now in your life. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? Some of you feel like, ah, I got to get out of here. No, no, that's the devil. That's the devil. That is the devil. And he's going to get out of here. I tell you that much. Don't leave with him, though. Don't leave with him, though. Let, let the anointing of God set you free. You see, this man, when Jesus said, what is your name? He said, I am legion. He identified with his oppressor, and he took on the name of his oppressor, and he took that as his identity. Some of you are going to have your identity changed today. You're no longer going to identify with the oppression that has held you back, but you're going to say, I am Carl, a son of God. I am Tracy, a daughter of God. I am, come on somebody, I am Diane, a queen, a queen of the most high God's mind. I am Christopher, a man of God. You're going to change your identity from what the devil has called you to what God calls you. Come on, somebody. I feel like that's a good word, Anastasia. I feel like God is doing something good right now. I feel like something might break in this place right now. Go on, sing a little bit for me. Come on. I'm telling you, under this anointing, something's got to break. Come on. Come on. Turn it up. I'm telling you, in this, in this anointing, in this anointing, come on. Something has to break. Something has to break. Something has to break. Come on. Now listen. Right now, now is not the time to get cute. Come on, take it up. Come on. Come on. Come on. No, no. Come on. Come on. In your life right now, something in that oppression's got to break. The devil's been coming against your family. Devil's been coming against your finances. Devil coming against your church. Devil coming against. Come on. Something's got to break in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, the anointing of God is here. And the devil's going to flee seven ways in the name of Jesus. Right now, in this place, right now, you'll leave different. Come on, that pornography addiction is going to come off your life right now. That spirit of rage is going to come off your life right now. That depression and loneliness comes off your life.
one minute and just prophesy over your life right now speak the word of the lord the truth speak the truth of the lord over your life right now speak the truth of the lord over your life right now come on do it right now i'm telling you there's something in this speak the truth of the lord over your life right now i will i will live and not die come on i will not be of two minds i will live in freedom i i i don't want to be cultic you keep playing i don't want to be cultic but some of you need to tell a family member listen manipulated away from God any longer. Some of you need to tell a friend, no, uh-uh, I ain't going there with you no more. You need to get free. You need to get free. I can't live in bondage with you because you don't want to be free. I can't do it any longer. I've been called by God. I've been called by God. The anointing is touching someone right now. Hallelujah. Shake off. You see anything? In the name of Jesus. 
just feel hope is coming up, is rising. Hope is rising. Hope is rising. Ha! <laughs> the call is becoming real. Woo! The call is becoming real. Ed, do you have a word? Do you have a word? I can't see what your head is doing. If you have a word, walk this way. If you don't, just sit there and pray. Okay, real quick. Yeah, keep playing. Come playing. Corinthians, it says, we all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And it starts off, it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's liberty here for breaking free of everything that they're in talking about. There's liberty here for you to walk in things that you haven't walked in before. There's liberty here for you to walk in things that are going to keep you bound, and you are supposed to be walking from those things right now. There's some, there's, there's liberty here for people to be free from all things and for the Lord to just reign through them, right through, and wipe away all things, all things that have been found in any way, shape, or form. So here's what I want to do. I want, to, I want you to, um, if you need freedom, amen, yeah, no, give it up. That's God speaking to us. I want you to get a soaking set ready. If you need freedom, I, I don't feel like we're supposed to lay hands. I feel like you're supposed to just sit here in the presence. Come forward, just lay in the presence, get in the presence. He's going to play a, 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 a set, and, um, and the music is going to minister to you, and I believe people are going to get free. Father, we love you. We thank you for what you've done today. I pray that you would seal it in our hearts. I pray that we would study your word, that we would spend time with you. Father, that we would come, and we would fellowship with the saints, and we would serve you faithfully and believe and hope for a better day. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. Give a clap offering to the Lord. Come on, give a clap offering to the Lord. Come on, thank Him for what He's done. Some of you need to write down in a journal what God did today. Come forward and just sit in the presence of God and let Him finish it. Amen. If you give me a minute, I'll meet you out in the lobby. But just come and just sit and let the Lord minister to you.